else find themselves just exhausted, tired. I am recording this the week my kids have finished school. And if you don't have kids in school, let me just tell you that this level of exhaustion is something that you really you really don't expect. And sadly, it's something I forget every single time, every single year. I think this is my 14th or 15th school year. And it's like every year I'm like, oh, that's right. This is crazy. So we're going to talk about that today, but in a way that, I don't know, in a a different way. I'm going to share something with you that in a way that I've never done before. So I have been reading a book called Fervent by Priscilla Shire. If you've watched the movie War Room, which I keep meaning to watch and I have not watched yet, it's about prayer. And this book is about prayer. And we know as believers, if you follow Jesus like I do, that you you know that he, um, that the, the enemy wants to do nothing more than to trip you up. So I don't think that there are any accidents at all. And I happen to be reading through this. It's funny. It's one of those books like I would read and then set aside and go through a different devotional because this isn't really a devotional like you would think of a traditional devotional. And I picked it back up the other day and this morning I opened it up and it is on your pressures, reclaiming peace, rest, and contentment. And I know that that can apply on many different levels, but it could not have been more timely for me than right now. So I'm going to share this with you. I hope you're excited because I am. Hey there, friend. Are you a sassy, audacious unicorn mama who's on a mission to grow your network marketing business? Are you tired of the copy-paste culture, ready to set those goals and map out a strategic plan to get there? Hey, I'm Michelle. Welcome to the Growth Against the Grain podcast. I've been in the network marketing space for over a decade. I've leveled up, earned the goodies, sat at the top 2%, and know what it takes to get you there. More importantly, I know what it takes to do it being you. I'm here to help you achieve your business goals through strategy, mindset, healthy living, and a whole lot of fun. This podcast is all about equipping you with strategies to be that unicorn mama and grow your business while still showing up for your family and all the things that make you, you. Okay. Go warm up that cup of coffee for the second, or let's be honest, eighth time. I know how it goes. And let's get started. I don't know if I'm breaking any copyright laws or anything like that. And if you know Priscilla, um, let her know that I did this. And if she's not okay with it, I'll remove this. But I'm giving all credit to Priscilla Shire and her um, staff and publisher and everything. This is straight from the book Fervent, A Woman's Battle Plan for Serious, Specific, and Strategic Prayer. And I'm going to read this chapter to you. It is strategy number eight. So she goes through um, several different strategies and you're going to, well, I love how she starts each, each chapter, but she talks through, you know, it, the value of prayer, like the importance of prayer. And if you are a follower of Jesus, like I am, then you understand how important prayer is. And really it is, it's our secret 
not-so-secret weapon, right? So let me just get started. This is, and I'm quoting every, this is straight from Strategy 8, page 133. If I were your enemy, I'd make everything seem urgent as if it's all yours to handle. I'd bog you down or I'd bog down your calendar with so many expectations. You couldn't tell the difference between what's important and what's not. Going and doing, guilty forever saying no, trying to control it all, but just being controlled by it all instead. If I could keep you busy enough, you'd be too overwhelmed to even realize how much work you're actually saving me. Does that sound familiar? Pressure. Pressure to keep up. Pressure to keep going. Pressure to stay ahead. Stay afloat. Stay relevant. Pressure to do for others what they maybe ought to be doing for themselves. Pressure to plan for your retirement years. Pressure to lose weight and stay young looking. Pressure to take on another ministry project at church. Pressure to always be the one they can count on to say yes. Pressure to jam another activity for your kids into the schedule. Pressure to do a better job of keeping a journal, organizing your pantry and closets, getting your Christmas shopping done early, then posting your clever thoughts and carefully posed pictures on Instagram when you're finished. Ouch. That hit anyone else or just me? Okay. Pressure to perform a certain way, looking or look a certain way, dress a certain way, be interested in certain things, to be the perfect parent, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect employee, the perfect party planner, the perfect image of everything that everybody else expects you to be. Oh, and the pressure not to be the first one who cracks under the pressure. Granted, there's a baseline level of pressure that's necessary to keep us from settling into laziness and self-absorption. Life without any pressure wouldn't be what's best for us. But life with this much pressure from a nonstop pace, a schedule that never allows time for rest or refreshment, or maybe actually enjoying the people we're staying so busy with, Pressure from the unrealistic demands we place on ourselves through our perfectionism, obsession, control, the making of appearances. Pressure from the unreasonable demands that others place on us. Pressure that makes us feel like we might be wrong or selfish or cold-hearted or snooty to enforce margin and boundaries in our schedule so that we can actually maintain enough time to be obedient to what the Lord has called us to do. Holy cow, this is Michelle talking now. Does that, like, especially at this time of year, is that hitting? Like, ouch. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. I've, and this is Priscilla again. I've noticed a few, I've noticed a few common threads running through pressure like these. And each of them leads back to a common source. Leads back to someone who, as usual, is seeking to rob you of the most common ingredients to a fruitful life, a life of truly eternal significance, the life you were created by. I'm sorry, let me read that again. A life of truly eternal significance, the life you were created by God to live. First, consider this. Ever notice how many of these pressures in your life resemble slavery? Like you're just being bossed around day in and day out? Do this, go there, now come back over here, do it again. Slaves don't rest. Slaves just work. They don't control their agenda for the day. The day's agenda controls them. That's the regular dynamic they've come to expect. 
It's what others expect of them as well. The enemy's intention is always to enslave you. Primarily, of course, his stock and trade is keeping you bound up and bogged down by all the sins Christ has already died to set you free from. But when that doesn't work, when you defeat on him, I'm sorry, when you defeat him on the normal temptation front, he's not out of the, out of other ideas. Good golly, I'm sorry. Let me read that again. But when that doesn't work, when you defeat him on the normal temptation front, he's not out of other ideas because he's actually not biased towards limiting his temptations to bad things. The enemy, he's so clever like this. He can enslave you to good things too, your job, your ministry, even your recreational hobbies. Nothing is so healthy and life-giving that he can't turn it into a cruel taskmaster, one that bosses you around and runs your life. When God delivered the ancient Israelites from 400 years of bondage in Egypt, slavery was all they'd ever known. You can read Exodus 1, 8 through 14. All night, all day, all work, no play. The rhythms and demands of slavery had been internalized with them from birth. Whatever their taskmasters said, that's what they did. Refusing wasn't a choice. Saying no wasn't an option. I'm sure they didn't like it, but what could they do about it? Till the Lord sent Moses and ten mighty plagues and delivered them from the iron clutches of Pharaoh. Israel was free. They were no longer a slave people. But being officially declared free doesn't automatically take the slave mentality out of a person's heart and mind now, does it? God knew he would need to radically adjust their perspectives in order to get them thinking like people who weren't slaves anymore. Enter Sabbath. Think for a second how the introduction of Sabbath among the Ten Commandments must have struck the people who first heard it announced. Six six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Exodus 29 through 10. Don't work? These people had never heard these words before, never been given the alternative. The whole idea behind this Hebrew word Shabbat, to cease, to stop, to pause, was a totally foreign concept. All their background and training were built around going, not stopping, working, not resting, complying, not declining or decompressing. So you'd think the prospect of being allowed, no, rather told, to take regular breaks from their weekly work would sound incredible, relieving, reprieving, right? Well, think again. They balked against their seventh day vacation allotment and went out to work anyways. Exodus 16, 27 through 30. Why does this concept of stopping, resting, shutting off, stepping away, pulling back, taking a breath, the biblical command of Sabbath, why was it so hard for them? Same reason it's so hard for us. Because to some degree, we're slaves just as they were. The thought of deliberately choosing a rhythm of rest and margin around our full slate of activities feels almost unthinkable because it lands on people who still think the way a slave thinks. People who've been trained through the years to not to say no. People who are the unwitting servants to their master calendars. People 
whose own impulses in conjunction with the 90 mile an hour culture swirling around them leave them feeling they don't ever have permission to step out of line, to hop off the merry-go-round, to decide for themselves it's time to close up shop and go home. That's a slave talking. You hear it? I can't just not. Can I? No, you can't. Not if you're a slave. But you can if you're free. And guess what? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 Enough can be enough. Not just on our calendars, but in every area of our lives. Then we can sit back in freedom that helps us start again tomorrow with our spirits rested, alert, and renewed. Wonder what kind of shockwave would reverberate through enemy headquarters if a woman decided to take her stand on that kind of battle plan? What if you found the voice to utter that dirty little word, no, without shouldering the least bit of guilt or shame from it? Sure, we're called to serve, and serving often requires sacrifice. Not everything we're tasked with doing should be expected to fit conveniently into our day. But a free woman possesses the God-given ability to know when he is truly asking her to do something, as well as the God-given ability to know when he's not. I'm going to read that again, friend, because I know I need to hear that again, and I know you do too. A free woman possesses the God-given ability to know when he, he, the Lord, is truly asking her to do something, as well as the God-given ability to know when he, our Lord, our Father, is not. Then she has the God-given discernment to know her limits and the authority to know when she needs to cease, to stop, to pause. Accepting the gentle yoke of Jesus instead of the tyrannical yoke of slavery. For my yoke is easy, he said, and my burden is light, Matthew eleven thirty. Your father just wants you to be you. And that means not having to be two of you to get it all done. I mean, how many times have we said, if I could just duplicate myself, right? I'd get all this done. Just was the poster child. I'm sorry, Jesus was the poster child for this kind of margin. Listen to him. The son can do nothing of himself of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. John 5:19. Even Jesus, the son of God, realized that everything wasn't supposed to be his thing to do. He only did what he saw the father doing. Nothing more, nothing less. Not every good thing is a God thing. Plain and simple, because even good things can culminate in slavery. Second, see how fear and and insecurity come into play in your pressures. These words always have an enemy ring to them, don't they? Satan's ploy is to make you believe your core value as a person is tied to how much work you do, how much activity you can accomplish, how much stuff you can accumulate, how much business you can generate. Is anybody else going, oh, ouch, 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 ouch. This like speaks to me in so many ways. In order to possess any worth under this system, just like Israel under Pharaoh's rule, you've got to be able to rattle off everything you've been doing one by one, adding it all up into a big gob of bullet points and checklists 
that ought to impress anybody. But why? Who's drawing the measuring lines? And who's declaring you deficient for not meeting them? Who's setting the bar and the benchmarks for your approval? Who's saying you're worth nothing more than the overall tally of your output? I'm going to say that again. Who? Who is it that's saying you're nothing more than the overall tally of your output? You know exactly who. He's not much unlike the brutal overlords who held the power of intimidation over the Hebrew slaves in ancient Egypt. Survival was totally dependent on avoiding the cruelty of these relentless taskmasters. And the only way to do it, the only way of gaining any semblance of favor was through working and producing, through unending activity. It's the same brand of heavy-handedness that's still being perpetuated against us today. The kind of internal and external pressure that turns busyness into a badge of honor. I've talked about this before. Busyness is not a badge of honor. Our insecurities make us fear that, I'm sorry, our insecurities make us fear what others will say or think of us or of our kids. If we don't do everything they deem to be required of us or don't acquire enough to impress them, it's why we turn Christian living into legalism for fear that God will be displeased if we don't rigorously stick to the program. It's why we don't know how to sit still. It's why we are so rarely satisfied with where we are or what we have. It's why we can't embrace the one thing we're doing now because of the dozen other things we're not doing while we're over here doing this. It's intimidation. It's based totally on lies and fear. Fear that we won't have enough. Fear that we won't be enough. Fear that we'll fail and we'll no longer come off looking as perfect as we want to appear. Fear that somebody else who's working harder and moving faster will get what's supposed to be ours. But as a dear friend and wise mentor recently said to me, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. Your value is not what you do as if you could ever do enough, but in who you are. As if you could ever be more loved and accepted by him than you already are. This, too, is what Sabbath is meant to communicate. You don't need to keep pushing, rushing, gathering, hustling. You've already received approval from the only one whose approval really matters. He has stamped his value on you, and that is enough. Even the activities he gives you to steward are not given to see how many balls you can juggle, but instead so you can participate with him in staking a kingdom claim on the patches of ground where you live. Sure, there's sweat involved, sore muscles, dirt under your pretty fingernails, but these endeavors and hobbies and accumulated possessions of yours are meant to bring joy, to enhance relationships, to develop your gifts, to swell his bless, to swell with his blessings and contentment. They're not supposed to be nothing but pressure. So if that doesn't square with how you're feeling very often at the end of the day, you're being bullied by a liar. 
you're being motivated by fear and insecurity. You're being intimidated by your enemy's cruel application of pressure against you. And you don't need to put up with it any longer. One additional thing, but a very important thing. Pressure is often a mask for idolatry. Oh, ouch. Anyone hate that one? Oh, yeah. Pressure is often a mask for idolatry. Easy not to notice how every time Moses approached uh, approached Pharaoh throughout the early part of Exodus, declaring God's word to the Egyptian ruler. He didn't just say, let my people go, like the lyrics to the old spiritual says. He said, let my people go so that they may worship me. Exodus 9.1. He said, uh, said it about a dozen times. Look it up. There was a specific reason for their release. The purpose of Israel's liberty from bondage and the purpose behind your own liberty from the slavery of undue pressure is not merely freedom for freedom's sake. God's purpose in giving you Sabbath spaces amid your full productive life is to help you be uninhibited in your devotion, service, and worship of Yahweh. Margin keeps you from marginalizing God. When our lives are packed to the brim with things that squeeze God to the periphery, it's a sure sign we've replaced our devotion to God with a love for something else. The pressure to perform, for example, often means you've made an idol of your reputation. The pressure to maintain a ridiculously jam-packed schedule, the idol of self-reliance. The pressure to maintain an impressive standard of living, the idol of achievement. The pressure to take on everything in which your kids show even the slightest interest, making an idol of your children. Our hearts can make idols of anything, yet sometimes be the last to realize it's happening. The primary purpose of Sabbath margins of saying no when appropriate is to diminish our devotion to all other suitors and crystallize our allegiance to God. The enemy wants other things and other people to replace God's preeminence in our schedule, in our mind, in our heart, in our home. He wants our loyalties lured away from our creator and dispersed among a dozen other things without our even thinking about it. Unmanageable, incessant pressure then is not just another nagging problem in your average day. It's an attack against your full devotion to God as your one and only Lord. It's a cosmic battle for your contentment, your peace, your rest, your sense of balance, health and wholeness, your ability to worship attentively, to trust fully, to be free and satisfied in Christ, available to move at the invitation of his perfectly timed will. That's why alleviating these pressures is not merely fodder for self-help magazines and motivational speech speeches. It should also be a matter that's worth our serious prayer. I think we've missed this connection for too long. We've been too tired and overwhelmed to see it, but now our eyes are open and we can see the enemy's strategy is exposed. So let's use prayer like a sharp pair of scissors to help cut ourselves loose. Friend, how did that hit? Are you, are your feathers a little ruffled? If so, that means that you probably needed to hear this. Is this confirmation of something that you've already been thinking? Is this something that you need to sit in for a while? Maybe you need to pause this and, and listen back to it a little bit later. 
because I know I have been guilty of this. I, she then lists, um, some ways to bring this to the Lord and pray about this. Take this to the Lord, pray, bring it to him, ask him to show you the areas where you are setting something else above him, where you are letting all of these things, which can be really good, growing your business, doing the things, showing up for your kids, all of it can be so good. And yet it can also equally drag us away. I want to share two passages with you that I would really encourage you to pray. In fact, I'm going to pray them right now for us. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. Father, show us those areas where we are putting things above you, where you are not our rock alone, that you are not where we put our rest all the time. Father, in Psalm 147, 10 and 11, you say that you are not impressed by the strength of a horse. And I think that, Father, you are not impressed by our rank, by the number of sales, by the number of team members. Um, you don't value the power of man. You, you don't value those things. Father, you value those who fear you, those who put their hope and faith in you, in a faithful father because you are faithful, Lord. Go before us today. Go before each of these women today and show them the areas in which they have possibly made idols of things. Help us to break these things down, to figure out what is a must that we have to do and what are the things that we can let go of as we head into this time of summer with our families so that we can show up with them, that we can be available for them. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for Priscilla Shire, for how openly and faithfully she speaks your truth to guide women like myself and these women who are listening. Have an amazing day, Father, or uh, friend. <laughs> Thank you, Father, and in your son's name, amen. And I don't know how this hits you, but if it hits you in any way, would you take a screenshot of it? Would you share it in your stories? Tag a friend who also needs to hear this because I know that there are too many of us who are walking around just saying yes, adding these things and, and for good reason. We feel like we need to. But friend, I'm hoping that you're finding something that you can say no to. Things that you can remove from your plate. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you see those things because I need to see those too so you can pray for me as well. Have an amazing day and I'll see you here another time.